0: Hello, party people. This is the Just Ideas podcast. My name's Andy, I'm with Andy, and these are Just Ideas. In this episode, we talk about the phantom tornado, hospital dangers, and how you may want to hire a pilot for your next surgery. One spring day, Mr. McIntyre and his son are sitting on the couch, and they see the skies getting dark and yellowed. And they say, oh, no, there's a tornado coming. And Junior says, Dad, let's go get in the tornado shelter. And Mr. McIntyre goes, good thinking, son. And they hurry down. What do you think?
1: It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. I can tell you right now the tornado's not coming.
0: (laughs) Honestly, I think I'll tell you real quick. I think our McIntyre story is bunk because a lot of people in Oklahoma, they never get in their tornado shelters and they just watch them go by.
1: Yeah, well, but I mean, it's scary, it's and, all, and uh, yeah, people get it's all get all scared. And I and I I say a lot of things that aggravates people, but this is one of the ones that aggravates them the most. I've lived in Oklahoma for thirty four years. I've never taken cover. When, when tornadoes not were coming once. Out time. Not come, not once. On. Well, let me let me let me be one hundred percent accurate. Twice I attempted to take cover. <laughs> right. <laughs> then once, down. I have I, I have my son was just bouncing off the walls, and we had to come back upstairs because he just couldn't couldn't be in the basement. Huh. And then another time, we got in the closet, and like, uh, so I'm, I'm I'm a single dad with with three boys. And, and two of the boys have ADD and I have ADD. So, like, we, how long are we going to sit in the closet? <laughs> not long. <laughs> About nine minutes. And then we come back out we're like, you know what? When the windows start popping, we'll run we'll to the closet. Again, yeah. So, yeah, no, not really. And, no, and, not and because really. I know it's not going to hit me. And you and I at our pre-production meeting were uh, Googling up statistics. <laughs> yeah. And it was uh, tornadoes killed 38 people one year. Terrible. And nine people the other year. Tragic. Well, it is tragic, but it's not going to be us. No. It's like winning a lottery. It, it happens <laughs> to someone, but it's not happening us. It's definitely not going to hit us because it's not yeah. right. So the numbers wh- are in our favor. Exactly. Yeah. So the sort of the 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 uh, the basis for my outrage today. Okay. And I've been obsessed with this the whole time I've been a professor. People worry about the wrong thing. Like you think like, but you're like, look at a tornado and it's scary. I got to tell you for 25 years, I didn't even watch the news to see if it was coming for me because I'm just, it's not coming for me. So I'm lying in bed and my, at that time, new wife from California, like the, the, the siren goes off and like, what's that? I'm like, tornado siren. She's like, what's that mean? "Eh." (laughs) <laughs> you know, and we slept next morning our friends calls hey you know are you okay i'm like what do you mean are we okay the tornado hit tulsa i'm like oh, yeah, of course we're okay it didn't hit us yeah right and you know we're, like, we're in the bathtub with our dog like yeah, i'm not doing that i got add <laughs> so we slept on the second floor with the alarm going off yeah it's not gonna hit us right that that's that's what the that, that's that's what the idea is so you worry about the things was i going somewhere
0: yeah, I mean the numbers are on our side. People are worried about the wrong things, and you know they get all nervous about a tornado like McIntyre Jr. and his dad.
1: Yeah. So what should we worry about? Yeah. So we had uh, we had at the university here a uh, president of a medical school come, and it's a very modern medical school. It's a brilliant guy who doesn't look at the way we do things. He's not trapped in a thing. He gets out of the box, looks at it, and sees all sees how ridiculous everything is. So there was a study done in 2014. Um, where they tried to calculate um, preventable medical accidents. Okay. So the biggest cause of death, if you want to worry about the right thing that's going to kill you, not tornadoes. Right. So it's tornadoes. One year nine, the other year thirty-four. Uh huh. Um, heart problems, six hundred and
0: fourteen
1: thousand. Ugh. Cancer hundred and ninety-one so, thousand. F- so over half a million. Preventable hospital accidents, the third highest cause of death in America. Preventable hospital accidents. Yeah, accident. emphasis on
0: the word preventable, I yeah. think.
1: So they estimate it between two hundred and 440,000, and that's a wide range. You're looking at a $200,000 range, 200,000 uh, person range, and the reason— they can't estimate it, and that's what this doctor who came to visit us was and pointed me to the study, is they don't track it.
0: They just don't track? The-
1: there's no, no, there's no, and, and, you know, everybody listening who's in the medical profession is going <laughs> to say what I'm saying is false, and they're going to know it to be false. I believe this president of this medical school, because what I'm going to say, so you're going to say, well, our hospital does that, well, we do that, right? So your hospital may track it. But there is no uniform system of mandatory tracking across America. So when they did this study, it, they, they, they couldn't figure it out because there's no data. No data on right? it, yeah. Right. And so now what, you might ask, what are these preventable hospital accidents? Because I'm here to freak you out. Botched operations, tripping over ventilator cords, what? <laughs> misdiagnosis miscommunication dosage errors with medicine and transcription errors in writing you know prescriptions and instructions on the thing so, so
0: it's not like gray's anatomy these people are not no not there's no right, the and anatomy again folks. people this
1: going not in our hospital the point some systems were amazing yeah and they put their own systems into play but nationwide it's a wreck mm. right and whenever it's your system there's always the tendency not to want to write down preventable hospital accident, isn't yeah, there, right? I figure. Right, right, right. So um, what he said was, and some of this stuff was shocking. These are, don't get mad at me, get mad at the president of the <laughs> medical school who's trying to reform medical education. But, but he said this, there's no, the way, this is his exact words, the way a doctor, the way operations are taught mm-hmm. is watch it, do it, teach it. Huh, so okay. it, the, the profession is passed from doctor to doctor, right? So oh, you watch okay. somebody do it,
0: and then you, then you do, do it, do, yeah.
1: and then once you do it for a while, you teach someone else how so to do it. So to how to do the IRA. If they
0: operation. grow well, at all, it's just doing the same thing.
1: There's no best practices there, oh, right? It's like one guy who may not be great at it, passed it on to the other guy, who may diminish it and pass it on to the next guy, right? Now, it doesn't mean that's the case, but there's no uniform mandatory Best practices. Okay. Right. And then why is
0: this? Because it's so challenging of a profession.
1: I, I think they're just you know why you're making money and you're doing your thing. Why why bother? Okay. So what we do is and and some of his stories will. Oh, here's one that shocked me. So he said, um, these doctors are not required to have to be observed to to see if they're competent. Weird. So you can go your whole profession as a surgeon. Now, some places could do it, but you don't have to be evaluated as a surgeon. You never have to be watched. And he said some doctor's infection rate is less than 1%. Some doctor's infection rate is over 15%. This is just an example of how widely the quality varies. And he said, do you know what the consequence of having an infection rate of 15% is?
0: Well, death, if you get infected, that's how you
1: could die. Yeah. But before you die, the guy who infected you will try to cure the infection, which means he's getting paid again. So the (laughs) higher your infection rate, the more money you make. Hey,
0: there we go. So
1: you have, you have, you have, I mean, the guy should, if he's out for money, and why would he become a doctor if he wasn't, you should sneeze in every patient because (laughs) the more infections you get, the more money you get. Oh
0: my gosh. Okay.
1: (laughs) All. From this president of the medical school.
0: Well, right? he didn't suggest the latter part there. No, that was... Certainly okay, yeah, the sneeze I threw, and I can't dishonest. resist my hyperbole, <laughs>
1: but up to that point was him. So now I'm going to switch to the, uh, the airline industry. <laughs> I'm going to compare the airline industry yeah. with the medical profession. Okay. The airline industry, everything I said about the medical profession, it's the opposite. Huh. Okay? So every, sing- every single pilot right, goes through this extensive training, and they're observed all the time. Sure. Every single incident is reported to every single pilot. Right, So they're in the so know. Like, yeah, so, like, uh, you know, doctors can be doing who, who knows what. Some doctors have brilliant ideas that aren't necessarily shared with, with, with the other doctors. But, in, but, in the, but in, with airline pilots, every incident is made known to every pilot. Every pilot goes back to headquarters every nine months. To fly emergency situations, different circumstances, and to be briefed on what we've learned over the last nine months, yeah. right? And and the airline, the commercial airlines within the United States, have killed one person since since the beginning of two thousand nine. Oh my gosh! And that was the poor woman who was sitting next to the engine that blew up on the Southwest flight. Terrible. Right, a part came through the window and killed her. It wasn't even a crash, yeah. right? So it's amazing, right? And also. Possibly what's, in the, what's it, at the heart of the amazing safety record of flying compared to the tragic safety record of hospitals is they've taught the captain to have a high tolerance for ambiguity. Uh-huh. And what that means is the captain is supposed to be consistently wondering, am I wrong? Am I wrong? Right. And then the captain is supposed to be looking to the team to correct him or her. Uh-huh. So, so they're trained. So it used to be you call the captain, Captain. Now you call the captain, Jim or Mary. Right. Because if you call the captain, Captain, what happens?
0: It creates a power distance.
1: Yeah, exactly. Right? So, um, and they found this in a study about, uh, they call it Captainitis, flying the simulator. The captain was in league with the psychologists, flew the flight simulator straight into the ground just to make sure the co-pilot would correct the captain. And, of course... They didn't. They didn't. Right? But once you tell the co pilot, there's a tendency to yield to the captain. They're trained, you've got to correct the captain.
0: It's interesting. I think that's in that book, Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. Am I right?
1: Yeah, yeah he had the whole chapter on Korea that had the high power distance, and yeah. that's what was causing their accidents because nobody could correct the captain. They were nervous. So everyone, you know, flight attendants, mechanics, everybody is supposed to correct the captain, and the captain is trained to be listening and, 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 and to be wondering. It's
0: incredible. I think Korea, it's Korea Airlines, yeah. It's
1: Korean Airlines. Was, and now they're
0: doing so much better because they had a huge problem with that.
1: Right. So now what I'm asking, we don't know, and I don't know if you've tested it, but what is the power distance in the medical profession? What do you call the doctor? Doctor. Doctor. Yeah. And the doctor is the big dog. And what I'm suggesting to you is when your chest is open, <laughs> nobody's paying attention except the doctor. Right? Because if the doctor is the boss and the doctor's in charge and the doctor is the man, be it male or female, everybody's leaving it up to the doctor. Right? Huh, yeah. It's sort of like this if you get hit by a car, you know, you're lying on the side of the road, you want only one person to have seen you, not 10 people. Because if 10 people see you, no one's going to do anything because they figure someone else is, right? Oh, so right. if you think the doctor's paying attention, you're not paying attention. And that's why. They they sew up stuff inside you, take out the wrong thing, and everything else, because only one person's paying attention. Because the doctor has you know a very high um, position, yeah. so other people's brain goes off. And then you got to ask yourself when you think of tolerance of ambiguity, in other words, the possibility that I'm wrong. Does doctor come to mind? Because you go see your doctor. How long does he or she examine you? Not too 40 long. seconds? Yeah. You've got this. What about this? Don't worry. It's that. Yeah. Right? And what, and, and what, uh, now, this is the president of medical school saying we are stopping letting in the smartest people. Doctors used to have to be the smartest people because they had to remember everything. Right. But There's now the whole thing's computerized. So what you need is a doctor with a high emotional intelligence because the hard part of being a doctor, since all the data is on the computer, is connecting with the patient to get the right characterization of the symptoms to do the analysis. And they've started letting 30% of the medical school class in solely based on emotional intelligence and found them to be amazing doctors
0: that's incredible
1: yeah so so when i think of uh of um tolerance for ambiguity that's you know what is the doctor's chances of thinking that they're wrong i think of my dad and here's a dad story so i think it was 1999 my father grew up in new york city and i used to take students traveling to new york city so one year we're there and uh we're we're trying to get to the u.n and we pop up at Grand Central Station. And ordinarily, as you may know, the avenues run north and south, the streets run east and west. So all you gotta do is see one corner, and you instantly know which way's east, north, and west. Gotcha. Now, yeah, now, you're from Oklahoma, and everybody from Oklahoma inherently knows. Which way the directions the are, direction. oh, but yeah. when you grow up north, it's like it's uh, this way, that way, over by there, towards yeah. this. It's not. There's none of this direction. Like north I, I came to Oklahoma, and they're. I'm like, where's the soda machine? They're like, well, that's in the northwest corner of the second floor. I'm like, what am I, a pilgrim <laughs> with a compass? I'll <laughs> a never pilgrim. find that. Is it this way or that way? You know, <laughs> wandering around here with a compass. So anyway, we pop up at Grand Central Station. I'm trying to figure out. You know, we got to go east from Grand Central Station uh, to the UN, and my father's always like, "What train are we taking?" I'm like, "With well, six trains, like six train." They used to call it the IRT. I'm like, because he grew up in New York, right? So everything's, nothing's changed except the name. But one time he's standing on a corner yelling at the sidewalk going, there used to be, there used to be a subway right goddamn here, right? <laughs> that, that was his, uh, his story. And he's, he's yelling at the sidewalk. So anyway, I'm dragging the story out. I said, dad, let's go this way. I think that's east. And my dad points the other way and goes, that's east. I'm like, dad, I think I remember from last year. That's From east. Like, he's like, Dad, that's east. He's like, that's east. Finally, a helpful Oklahoman comes up and says, Look, the sun. <laughs> right? It's 10 o'clock in the morning. There's the sun. Rising And east. my father says, I don't care where the goddamn sun is, that's east, and points the other way, right? Very, oh very low tolerance for ambiguity. Let me just apologize to the people who are put off by the GD term. Sure. But I, you know, it's my the thing is my father grew up in New York. And uh, it's it's a, it's an article. It's
0: an article. You mean a language? It
1: goes for that, like like in uh, like uh, Spanish has articles, el right? Like it's, yeah, yeah. So in Spanish, it would be uh, donde es uh, el sombrero. Yeah. In New York, it's. Where is my goddamn hat? Right? It just <laughs> it just, it just comes sense. before all, all of the <laughs> okay, nouns. Sure. So that's the way that's the way that he talks. So, tolerance for, for ambiguity in the, uh, trained into the airline professions killed one person. These uh, if you if you believe the study and I mean it was not some clown study. It was an enormous undertaking in 2014 and the interesting part of the study was how phenomenally complex it was to even try to estimate that number yeah. because of different re- no uniform reporting no sharing I mean it was it it it, it was amazing so um, the point is to wrap up and I almost never wrap up <laughs> is that you know tornadoes aren't killing us no. It's medical operations, and I, I say they're going to have to get it tightened up, or we're going to go to the hospital with a medical advocate, right? <laughs> who who is a person who knows what the hell's going on, standing next to you, a player agent, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, looking out for you, right? Because the system seemingly is not. Yeah. Okay.
0: Well, we'll end it there. And if you need a doctor, go to a, go to an airliner and get a pilot. And for just ideas, my name's Andy, and that's Andy.